Chapter 18, Part 2 of Kangaroo by D. H. Lawrence, published in 1923. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 18 Adieu, Australia. Part 2 Harriet brought the tea tray onto the veranda. It's quite nice that somebody has come to see us, she said to Jazz. There seems such a gap now a kangaroo is gone, and all he stood for. You feel a gap, do you? asked Jazz. Awful, as if the earth had opened. As for love, I... He's absolutely broken-hearted, and such a trial to live with. Jazz looked quickly and inquiringly at Summers. Sort of metaphysical heart, Richard said, smiling wryly. Jazz only looked puzzled. Metaphysical, said Harriet. You'd think to hear him he was nothing but a teapot brewing metaphysical tea. As a matter of fact, Kangaroo went awfully deep with him, and now he's heartbroken, and that's why he's rushing to America. He's always breaking his heart over something, anything except me. To me, he's another millstone. Is that so, said Jazz? But one feels awful, you know. Kangaroo dying like that. Lovett likes to show off and be so beastly high and mighty about things, but I know how miserable he is. They were silent for some time, and the talk drifted. In the newspaper, Summers read of a big cyclone off the coast of China, which had engulfed thousands of Chinese. The cyclone was now traveling south, lashing its tail over the new Hebrides, and swooping its paws down the thousands of miles of eastern coast of Australia. The monster was expected to have spent itself by the time it reached Sydney, but it hadn't, not quite. Down it came, in a great darkness. The sea began to have a strange yelling sound in its breakers, the black cloud came up like a wall from the sea. Everywhere was dark, and the wind broke in volleys from the sea, and the rain poured as if the cyclone were a great bucket of water pouring itself endlessly down. Richard and Harriet sat in the dark room at Cooey, with a big fire and darkness raging in waters around. It was like the end of the world. The roaring snarl of the sea was of such volume, the volleying roar of the wind so great as to create almost a sense of silence in the room. The house was like a small cave under the water. Rain poured down in waves over the dark room, and with a heaviness of spume. Though the roof came down so far and deep over the verandas, yet the water swept in and gurgled under the doors and in at the windows. Tiles were ripped off the veranda roof with a crash, and water splashed more heavily. For the first day there was nothing to do but to sit by the fire, and occasionally mop up the water at the seaward door. Through the long, low windows you saw only a yellow, livid fume, and over all the boom you heard the snarl of water. They were quite cut off this day, alone, dark, and the devastation of water. The rain had an iciness, too, which seemed to make a shower on the house. The two beings, Harriet and Lovett, kept alone and silent in the shell of a house, as in a submarine. They were black inside as out. Harriet particularly was full of a storm of black chagrin. She had expected so much of Australia. It had been as if all her life she had been waiting to come to Australia, to a new country, to a new unspoiled country. Oh, she hated the old world so much. London, Paris, Berlin, Rome, they all seemed to her so old, so ponderous with ancient authority and ancient dirt. Ponderous, ancient authority especially. Oh, how she hated it. Freed once, she wanted a new freedom, silvery and paradisical in the 
atmosphere a land with a new atmosphere untainted by authority silvery untouched freedom and in the first month she had found this in australia in the silent silvery blue days and the unbreathed air the strange remote forms of tree and creature she had felt herself free 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 for the first time in her life in the silvery pure air of this undominated continent she could swim like a fish that is just born alone in a crystal ocean woman that she was she exulted she delighted she had loved cooey and she just could not understand that richard was so tense so resistant then gradually through the silver glisten of the new freedom came a dull sinister vibration sometimes from the interior came a wind that seemed to her evil out of the silver paradisical freedom untamed evil winds could come cold like a stone hatchet murdering you the freedom like everything else had two sides to it sometimes a heavy reptile hostility came off the sombre land something gruesome and infinitely repulsive it frightened her as a reptile would frighten her as if it wound its cold foils around her for the past month now australia had been giving her these horrors it was as if the silvery freedom suddenly turned and showed the scaly back of a reptile and the horrible paws out of all her bird-like elation at this new-found freedom freedom for her the female suddenly without warning dark revulsion struck her struck her it would seem in her deepest female self almost in her womb these revulsions sent her into a frenzy she had sudden mad loathings of australia and these made her all the more frenzied because of her former great radiant hopes and her silvery realizations what must it all be taken back from her all this glisten of paradise this glisten of paradise this silvery freedom like protoplasm of life was it to be revoked there was richard that hellbird preaching preaching at her don't trust it you can't have this absolved sort of freedom it's an illusion you can't have this freedom absolved from control it can't be done there is no stability there will come a reaction and a devastation inevitable you must have deep control from within you must have a deep dark weight of authority in your own soul you must be most carefully sternly controlled from within you must be under the hand of the lord you can't escape the dark hand of the lord not even in free australia you'll get the devils lurking on you if you try too much freedom it can't be done too much freedom means you absolve yourself from the hand of the lord and once you're really absolved you fall a prey to devils devils you'll see all you white females raging for further freedom wait wait till you've got it and see how the devils will bite you with unclean reptile sort of mouths wait you who love australia and its freedom only let me leave you to the freedom till it bites you with a sort of sewer mouth like all these rats only let me abandon you to this freedom only let me so he had preached at her like a dog barking barking senselessly and oh how it had annoyed her yet gradually quite apart from him it had begun to happen to her these hateful revulsions when australia had turned as it were unclean to her with an unclean sort of malevolence and her revulsions had possessed her then the death of kangaroo and now this blackness this slew of water this noise of hellish elements to richard it was like being caged in with a sick tiger to be shut up with harriet in this watery cave of gloom like a sullen sick tiger she could hardly get herself to move the weight of her revulsion was so deep upon her she loathed australia 
with wet dark revulsion she was black sick with chagrin and she hated that barking white dog of a richard with his yap yap yapping about control and authority and the hand of the lord she had left europe with her teeth set in hatred of europe's ancient encumbrance of authority and of the withered repulsive weight of the hand of the lord that old jew upon it undying hostility to old europe undying hope for the new free lands especially this far australia and now and now was the freedom all going to turn into dirty water all the uncontrolled gentleness and uncontaminated freedom of australia was it going to turn and bite her like the ghastly bite of some unclean-mouthed reptile an iguana a great newt had it already bitten her she was sick with revulsion she wanted to get out away to america which is not so sloppy and lovey but hard and greedy and domineering perhaps but not mushy lovey these three days of dark wetness slew and wind finished her on the second morning there was an abatement and richard rushed to the post the boys barefoot bare-legged in the icy water were running to school under mackintosh capes down came the rain and a wind suddenly like a great hose-pipe and richard got home a running streaming pillar of water home into the dark room and the sulky tiger of harriet the storm went on black all day all night and the next day the same inside the house as well as out harriet sulked the more like a frenzied sick tigress the afternoon of the third day another abatement into light rain so richard pulled on thick boots and went out to the shore his grass was a thin surface stream and down the low cliffs one cascade stream the sea was enormous wave after wave in immediate succession raving yellow and crashing dull into the land the yeast spume was piled in hills against the cliffs among the big rocks and in swung the raving yellow water in great dull blows under the land hoarsely surging out of the dim yellow blank of the sea harriet looked at it for a few moments shuddering and peering down like a sick tigress in a flood then she turned tail and rushed indoors richard tried to walk under the cliffs but the whole shore was ruined changed a whole mass of new rocks a chaos of heaped boulders a gurgle of rushing clay water and heaps of collapsed earth on the fourth day the wind had sunk the rain was only thin the dark sky was breaking gradually the storm of the sky went down but not the sea its great yellow forefringe was a snarl of wave after wave unceasing and the shore was a ruin the beach seemed to have sunk or been swept away the shore was a catastrophe of rocks and boulders richard scrambled along through the dark wetness to a bit of sand where seaweed was piled like bushes and he could more or less walk but soon he came to a new obstacle the creek which formerly had sunk at the edge of the beach in a long pool and left the sloping sand all free and beautiful had now broken through levelled the sand and swept it in a kind of snarling river to the snarling waves across the cut-out sand the fresh water met the waves with a snarl and sometimes pushed on into the sea sometimes was pushed back and heaped up with a rattle of angry protest waters against waters the beach never recovered during the summer's stay the river never subsided into the sand the sandy foreshore never came back it was a rocky boulder-heaped ruin with that stream for an impasse harriet would not go down to the sea any more the waves still raved very high they would not go back and they lashed with a venomness to the cliffs to cut a man off richard would wander cold and alone on this inhospitable shore looking for shells out of the storm 
and all the time the waves would lash up and he would scramble out it seemed to him female and vindictive beastly water beastly water rolling up so high beastly water beastly water rolling up so high breaking all the shells just where they lie he crooned to himself crooning a kind of war croon malevolent against the malevolence of this ocean yet it was august and spring was come it was wattle day in sydney the city full of yellow bloom of mimosa richard and harriet went up to the united states consul to the shipping office everything was easy but he could not bear to be in sydney any more he could hear kangaroo all the time it was august and spring and a hot hot sun in a blue sky only the sea was not or could not return to its old beauties richard preferred to go inland the wattle trees and the camellia trees were full in bloom in the bungalow gardens birds flew quickly about in the sun the morning was quick with spring the afternoon already hot and drowsy with summer harriet in her soul had now left australia for america so she could look at this land with new relieved eyes again she never more passionately identified herself with it as at first richard hired a little two-wheeled trap called in australia a sulky with a little pony to drive into the bush sometimes they had gone in a motor-car but they both much preferred the little comfortable sulky there sat harriet full and beaming and the thin richard beside her like any australian couple in a shabby sulky behind a shabby pony trotting lazily under the gum-trees of the high-road and up the steep steep jungle-dense climb of the mountain to the pass nothing is lovelier than to drive into the australian bush in spring on a clear day and most days are clear and hot up the steep climb the tree-ferns and the cabbage-palms stood dark and unlighted as ever among the great gums but once at the top away from the high-road and the sea-face trotting along the yellow-brown sandy trail through the sunny thinly scattered trees of the untouched bush it was heaven they splashed through a clear clear stream and walked up a bank into the nowhere the pony peacefully marching the bush was in bloom the wattles were out wattle or mimosa is the national flower of australia there are said to be thirty-two species richard found only seven as they wandered along the little pale sulphur wattle with a reddish stem sends its lovely sprays so aerial out of the sand of the trail only a foot or two high but such a delicate spring-like thing the thorny wattle with its fuzzy pale balls tangles on the banks then beautiful heath plants with small bells like white heather stand in tall straight tufts and above them the gold sprays of the intensely gold bush mimosa with here and there on long thin stalks like hairs almost beautiful blue flowers with gold grains three-petaled like reed flowers in blue blue with a touch of australian darkness then comes a hollow desolate bare patch with empty grayness and a few dead charred gum trees where there had been a bush fire and at the side of this bare place great flowers ten feet high like sticky dark lilies and bulb buds at the top of the shaft dark blood red then over another stream and scattered bush once more and the last queer gold-red bushes of the bottle-brush tree like soft bristly golden bottle-brushes standing stiffly up and the queer black boys on one leg with a tuft of dark green spears sending up the high stick of a seed-stalk much taller than a man and here and there the gold bushes of wattle with their narrow dark leaves richard turned and they plunged into the wild grass and strange bushes following the stream 
by the stream the mimosa was all gold great gold bushes full of spring fire rising above your head in the scent of the australian spring in the most ethereal of all golden bloom the plummy many-balled wattle and the utter loneliness the manlessness the untouched blue sky overhead the gaunt lightless gum trees rearing a little way off and sound of strange birds vivid ones of strange brilliant birds that flit round save for that and for some weird frog-like sound indescribable the age unbroken silence of the australian bush but it is wonderful out of the sombreness of gum trees that seem the same hoary forever and that are said to begin to wither from the centre the moment they are mature out of the hollow bush of gum trees and silent heaths all at once in spring the most delicate feathery yellow of plumes and plumes and plumes and trees and bushes of wattle as if angels had flown right down out of the softest gold regions of heaven to settle here in the australian bush and the perfume and all the air that might be heaven and the unutterable stillness save for strange bright birds and flocks of parrots and the motionlessness save for a stream and butterflies and some small brown bees yet a stillness and a manlessness and an elation the bush flowering at the gates of heaven Summers and harriet left the pony and clambered along the stream past trees of the grey feathery leaved wattle most sumptuous of all in soft gold in the sky in bushes of the grey hard queer-leaved wattle on to the thick green of strange trees narrowing into the water the water slithered rushing over steep rocks the two scrambled down and along after the water to an abrupt edge there the water fell in a great roar down a solid rock and broke and rushed into a round dark pool dark still fathomless low down in a gruesome dark cup in the bush with rocks coming up to the trees in this tarn the stream disappeared there was no outlet rock and bush shut it in the river just dived into the ground it was a dark frightening place famous for snakes richard hoped the snakes were still sleeping but there was a horror of them in the air rising from the tangled undergrowth from under the fallen trees the gum trees that crashed down into the great ferns eaten out by white ants in this place already the christmas bells were blooming like some great heath with hanging bright red bells tipped with white other more single bell-flowers a little bit like foxgloves but stiff and sharp all the flowers stiff sharp like crystals of colour come opaque out of the sombre stiff bristly bush plants harriet had armfuls of bloom gold plumage of many branches of different wattles and the white heather the scarlet bells with the deep blue reed blobs the sulky with all the bloom looked like a corner of paradise and as they trotted home through the bush evening was coming the gold sun slanting but richard kept jumping out from among the flowers to plunge into the brake for a new flower and the little pony looked round watching him impatiently and displeased but it was a gentle tolerant australian little beast with untold patience only harriet was frightened of the coming dusk so at length they were slipping down the steep slopes again between the dense creeper tangled jungle and tree ferns dark chilly they passed a family moving from nowhere to nowhere two colts trotting beside the wagon and they came out at last at the bottom to the lost flickering little township at nightfall at home with all the houses full of blossom but fluffy gold wattle bloom they sat at tea in the pleasant room the bright fire burning eating boiled eggs and toast 
and they looked at one another and richard uttered the unspoken thought do you wish you were staying i i stammered harriet if i had three lives i'd wish to stay it's the loveliest thing i've ever known i know he answered laughing if one could live a hundred years but since one only has a short time they were both silent the flowers there in the room were like angel presences something out of heaven the bush the wonderful australia yet the day came to go to give up the keys and leave the lonely bare cooey to the next comers even the sea had gone flowery again at last and everybody was so simple so kindly at the departure harriet felt she would leave behind her forever something of herself in that cooey home and he knew that one of his souls would stand forever out on those rocks beyond the jetty towards bully advanced into the sea with the dark magic of the tour standing just inland the journey to sydney was so spring warm and beautiful in the fresh morning the bush now and then glowed gold and there were almond and apricot trees near the little wooden bungalows and by the railway unknown flowers magenta and yellow and white among the rocks the frail wonderful australian spring coming out of all the gummy hardness and sombreness of the bush sydney and the warm harbour they crossed over once more in the blue afternoon kangaroo dead sydney lying on its many-lobed blue harbour in the australian spring the many people all seeming dissolved in the blue air revolution nothingnesses nothing could ever matter on the last morning victoria and jazz's wife came to see the summers off the ship sailed at ten the sky was all sun the boat reared her green paint and red funnel to the sun down below in the dark shadow of the wharf stood all those who were to be left behind saying good-bye standing down in the shadow under the ship and the wharf their faces turned up to the passengers who hung over the rail a whole crowd of people down on the wharf with white uplifted faces and one little group of quiet chinese everybody had brought streamers rolls of colored paper ribbon and now the passengers leaning over the rail of the lower and middle decks tossed the unwinding rolls to their friends below so this was the last tie this ribbon of colored paper summers had a yellow and a red one victoria held the end of the red streamer jazz's wife the end of the yellow harriet had blue and green streamers and from the side of the ship a whole glittering tangle of these colors connecting the departing with the remaining a criss-cross of brilliant color that seemed to glitter like a rainbow in the beams of the sun as it rose higher shining in between the ship and the wharf shed touching the faces of the many people below the gangway was hoisted the steamer gave long hoots only the criss-crossing web of brilliant streamers went from the hands of the departing to the hands of those who would be left behind there was a sort of silence the calling seemed to die out and already before the cables were cast loose the gulf seemed to come richard held fast to the two streamers and looked down at the faces of the two women who held the other ends of his paper threads he felt a deep pang in his heart leaving australia that strange country that a man might love so hopelessly he felt another heart-string going to break like the streamers leaving australia leaving his own british connection the darkness that comes over the heart at moments of departure darkens the eyes too and the last scene is remote remote detached inside a darkness 
so now when the cables were cast loose and the ship slowly left the side of the wharf and drew gradually toward the easier waters of the harbor there was a little gulf of water between the ship and the wharf the streamers lengthened out they glittered and twinkled across the space almost like music so many colored and then the engines were going and the crowd on the wooden quay began to follow slowly slowly holding the frail streamers carefully like the ends of a cloud following slowly down the quay as the ship melted from shadow to the sun beyond one by one the streamers broke and fluttered loose and fell bright and dead on the water the slow crowd slow as a funeral was at the end the far end of the quay holding the last streamers but the ship inexorably drifted out and every colored strip was broken the crowd stood alone at the end of the wharf the side of the vessel was fluttering with bright broken ends so it was time to take out handkerchiefs and wave across space few people wept summers waved and waved his orange silk kerchief in the blue air farewell 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 victoria and jazz's wife farewell australia farewell britain and the great empire farewell farewell the last streamers blowing away like broken attachments broken heart-strings the crowd on the wharf gone tiny in the sun and melting away as the ship turned richard watched the observatory go by then the circular quay with all its fairy wharves and a nippon steamer lying at her berth and a well-known big buff and black p and o boat at the p and o wharf looking so like india then that was gone too and the governor's palace and the castellated conservatorium of music on its hill where richard had first seen jack the palace gardens and the blue inlet where the australian fleet lay comfortably rusting then they drifted across harbour nearer to the wild seeming slope like bush where the zoo is and then they began to wait to hang round there ahead was the open gate of the harbour the low heads with the south lighthouse and the pacific beyond breaking white on the left was manly where harriet had lost her yellow scarf and then the tram going to narrabeen where they had first seen jazz behind was the great lobed harbour so blue and sydney rather inconspicuous on the south hills with its one or two skyscrapers and already the blue water all round and a thing of the past it was midday before they got out of the heads out of the harbour into the open sea the sun was hot the wind cold there was not very many passengers in the first class and nobody looked possible to the summer's pair richard sat in the sun watching the dark coast of australia so sombre receding harriet watched the two seamen casting rubbish overboard such a funny assortment of rubbish the iron sank in the deep dark water the wood and straw and cardboard drearily floated the low sydney heads were not far off lovett watched till he could see the dark of the mountain far away behind cooee he was almost sure of the shape he thought of the empty house the sunny grass in front the sunny foreshore with its new rocks the township behind the dark tor the bush the australian spring the sea seemed dark and cold and inhospitable it was only four days to new zealand over a cold dark inhospitable sea end of chapter eighteen adieu australia part two end of kangaroo by d h lawrence published in nineteen twenty three